0: This is the FrogCast.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the FrogCast. We're excited to be talking about the Big 12 title game. The Big 12 title game has come back, and the Frogs are taking on the Sooners, a rematch. OU won 38-20 the last time. Will Gary Patterson and his defense be able to slow down Baker Mayfield and their offense? We're going to talk about that and a whole lot more on this episode of the Frogcast. Well, we all knew that it would be a rematch in the Big 12 title game, but I wonder how many people predicted that TCU would be playing Oklahoma way back in August. But here we are. Both teams are going to be in the top 10, Frogs and the Sooners. This is a showdown that uh, we have been looking forward to. Jeremy, when you think about uh, the Frogs being able to recover from that 18-point loss up in Norman... uh, man, what do you look at as is, is a couple of keys to the game in order to get the Frogs victorious?
2: They can't start slow. I mean, they have got to come out and play better defensively. I mean, they got themselves in a hole early in that game. And they looked like they were going to be able to score with OU early, but just oddball mistakes. I, I think it was a personal foul by John D'Arce, um that pushed them back on their first series and, I mean there's there's so much to list guys. I mean we got we got a long show here to to pregame Oklahoma <laughs> but uh I mean it, it it's it's the thing for for every one of their games that they've kind of struggled with is they've got to start early. They've got to they've got to come out and play the same way they did against Oklahoma State just get get some long drives, sustained drives with their running game. Offensive line's got to play better but defensively is where I'm looking without them having Nick or they've got to play the over the top plays. We know Baker Mayfield's going to throw it deep. We know they're going to do play action. We all know who the heck Rodney Anderson is. Now, no one really paid much attention to him coming into the first game. I think there's going to be a lot more eyes on where number 24 is at now, but they've got to get Baker out of a rhythm. They've got to slow down the run game. They cannot tackle Rodney Anderson with their shoulders. They've got to wrap up, and they've got to gang tackle that guy. There's If you watch the West Virginia game that they played on Saturday, the guy was just breaking tackles left and right the same way he did against TCU. So they've got to be cognizant of how hard that guy can run the football and be able to make tackles. And if they could do those things and limit the mistakes, everyone that looks back at that 38-20 loss, they – they did hold them scoreless in the second half, but I'm kind of in the belief that Oklahoma may have let off the gas some in the second half, too, where they didn't, they didn't continue to pour it on. TCU played better offensively. Kenny Hill didn't have a bad game against Oklahoma guys. I mean, he accounted for 310 yards, threw a touchdown, no interceptions, and other than a couple bad throws, he actually played pretty well. I think if he can come in and, and, and play up to that same level, and maybe get some more plays involved for Cavante Turpin and and especially Jalen Rager. Jalen Rager was non existent in that game. I think they would be they will be fine, especially playing on a neutral field. Is Jeremiah can attest and Daniel can attest with me. That scene up in Oklahoma where that atmosphere was so crazy, unlike any atmosphere I've ever seen in my life covering football. And the largest crowd in Oklahoma history. You look at the history of that program, and that was the largest crowd they've ever had. I think that played a big part of, uh, in Oklahoma's momentum as well. So, getting a chance to play them on a neutral field, do those things, and maybe they have a better chance at winning this game. I know that was a long answer, so I'm sorry.
1: No, that's a long answer, but that's a good answer because I I tend to agree with you on a lot of that assessment. I think about the, the inability to get the ball to Jalen Rager, not being able to run the ball because you know Darius Anderson was out uh, early in that game. The offensive line was banged up. We're going to have to be able to assert ourselves with with three people. Kyle Hicks has to have a good game. Kevontae Turpin has to have a good game, and Jalen Rager has to good, have a good game, and all of that flows through the, the quarterback, which, of course, you know, Kenny Hill's got to have a good game. So if those things are clicking, I feel like the Frogs are going to be in a spot to be competitive, but we'll all find out here um, on, on Saturday. Jeremiah, I know you were at the game as well with Daniel and with uh, Jeremy. That was quite an environment. What do you see shifting from that game in norman to jerry world what, what do you see that are just some of the intangibles that'll shift and what do you think the frogs need to be able to do to take advantage of that if they if they want to if they have a puncher's chance in this game
3: well gary patterson said something really interesting in his press conference after the baylor game you know how baylor started quick on them uh what teams have started to, to recognize with tcu is that they're very fundamentally sound they play off of certain keys they watch film, so they know what what players what uh, plays are coming out of what formations. So what teams have started doing to TCU is putting in completely new packages that no, that they've never done before in any other game on film. So that's what's allowing some of these teams to jump out early. And OU did that to TCU the first time they played. Um, now TCU has seen Rodney Anderson out of the backfield up up the seam. They've seen Rodney back uh, Anderson leak out of the backfield. They've seen those things now. What's Oklahoma going to do different this time that TCU is going to have to adjust to? Um, you know, my biggest concern right now is if Traven Howard's not 100. percent, You know, it, missing Nick Orr, uh, that's going to be a really tough task for that defense. And if Nico can't play, um, you know, it's just there's a lot of a lot of variables here. Um, but the the main thing is going to be can TCU adjust to what Oklahoma's doing? And they got to make the adjustment quick because. Baker is a very athletic guy. He gets rid of the ball very quickly, and uh, if they're doing something that you have they haven't shown on film before, that's, that tends to give TCU fits. So um, the frogs just have to be ready for whatever they see and be able to you know read and react. And uh, it's easier said than done when you're going up against a juggernaut offense like OU has. But uh, it'll be interesting to see, like Jeremy said, get them on a, a neutral field and and see if maybe that environment change uh, does the frogs some good.
1: Daniel, you've referenced how crazy that environment was in Norman that night, and you were, you were in the stands, the other two guys in the press box. You know, I've never been to a game at Jerry World. What's it, what's it feel like to be there for, for a game? What's it feel like uh, – what, what do you anticipate from Frog fans to be able to do to turn out to maybe flip the storyline against OU? Do you think the Frog fans are going to show up at Jerry World?
0: Oh, I think they'll show up. You know, on masse <clears throat> to sound pretentious, uh, <laughs> because I mean, it, it's it's that's closer than SMU, you know, and it's a huge game. Um, it's the first uh, Big Twelve championship game. Uh, TCU's gotten to play in. It's the first Big Twelve championship game in seven years, I think they've said. And um, you know, even if <clears throat> even if TCU's chance of getting in the playoff, uh, let's say they they just can't make it. Even if they win the game, I don't even care. Beating Oklahoma, beating Baker Mayfield, uh, is, is just in winning the Big Twelve is, is going to be a, is a massive accomplishment uh, coming off of last year. So I, you know, they're, they're going to show up. TCU travels to you know crappy bowls. This is right down the street. It's not as expensive as a bowl, <clears throat> and I, I really think uh, it's, it's they're going to pack the place. Now I don't. It won't be rowdy like a reverse Norman or anything because um, the hordes of OU fans will also be there. But um, there's going to be a whole lot more balance than there was in Norman.
3: Hey, Jeff, I think one of the things you could compare it to maybe would be the TCU LSU game at Cowboy Stadium a few years ago. Um, it was probably 60, 40 LSU fans. Um, when I say 40, you're probably 30 to 35,000 if I'm not overestimating on TCU fans. But they were very loud. They made a big scene there, um, and I thought it was a great crowd for both sides. So I think you could see something along those lines. Ten or thirty? So
2: you think it'd be even better? Yeah, I think because of <laughs> the, the, the type of game. If they can get thirty 000 to thirty-five thousand fans there for TCU, I mean that's a heck of a lot better than however many they had in Oklahoma. I mean that's just. I mean that gives you another home game feeling, even though everyone knows Oklahoma is going to. They're going to be, there's going to be more fans there. I mean, that's, they've got more alumni, they've got more fans, and that's not a knock on TCU whatsoever. That's just pure numbers. But TCU, I think, is going to travel well to this game. It's, it's, a, it's a great chance for them to uh, ruin t- uh, Oklahoma's season, so what better way to go over there and, uh, to AT&T tw- 20 minutes down the road to Jerry World and watch that happen.
1: Yeah, I think they're going to have a good turnout, and I think I think uh, the combination of of such a platform as playing in the Big Twelve title game, the chance to uh, knock off Baker Mayfield, I think all of those things are going to combine for a great atmosphere. But to get back to kind of the X's and the O's, I I think Gary Patterson, I think Coach Patterson has been itching for this game since he got back on the bus to get out of Norman. You know, one of the images I remember, you mentioned it on the podcast, Daniel, that your bus is driving down the freeway and you pass the team there on I-35 and you look over and of course Coach Patterson's got his iPad out taking notes on on whatever it was he was seeing I guarantee you he has had a couple of GAs or you know quality control analysts that have been breaking down film and bringing him material and having him look at stuff to figure out how to not let what happened happen again and I, I don't know that we're going to be able to win we'll talk about that in a second but I know TCU is not going to lose by 18 points this time and I know it is going to be a bar fight and and um, I don't think that game sat very well with Coach Patterson. I think he's going to be ready for this one. And I'm really, really looking forward to seeing what the Frogs are going to be able to do. All right, I want to put you guys on the spot here with, a, with an uncomfortable question. Well, we're just going to go around. So you just give me your one answer. You don't have to give me a sentence. Jeremy, better quarterback in the history of the Big 12, Baker Mayfield or Vince Young. Vince Young. Vince Young. Jeremiah, who's a better quarterback in the history of the Big 12, Baker Mayfield or Sam Bradford?
3: Mm, Sam Bradford.
1: All right, Daniel, you know what's coming. Better quarterback in the history of the Big 12, Baker Mayfield or or RG3?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um... I don't want to answer that that's a I hate both those people <laughs>
1: i know i know
0: i uh, I'm gonna go with a, a dead dog <laughs> you're gonna
1: oh go with a dead dog. I love it. last one for you, Jeremy Baker mayfield or Colt McCoy not case no. not
2: case uh Colt didn't win a national championship did he,
1: nope. oh, he no. They played, no. he got injured early they played, early in they that played game. and he
2: got hurt early.
3: Yes, uh, I'm. A, or he got hit by Alabama defensive lineman and then didn't yeah, want play like oh,
1: yeah. oh, you had to say that. Yeah,
2: I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and say Baker in this one because he, he is something like 39 and four as a starter or 39 and five something, something stupid. Since he, since he started at at Texas Tech as a true freshman and to where he is now, his rec, his record as a starter is unbelievable, and I think. Over the weekend, he moved into the top three or four in passing yardage. Now, I'm just going by on the field, because off the field, I would choose Colt McCoy 10 out of 10 times. But just based off on the field performances, I'd go with Baker.
1: I would go with Baker as well. I He's... He's ridiculous, man. And in all the ways that all, – all ways, good and bad, he is ridiculous. I
2: chose Vince so. over Baker because Vince won a national championship, and I'm sorry, that that guy was just unbelievable in college. I mean, I, I, I think hopefully if I live to be in my 70s to 80s, I'll still remember that 2005 Rose Bowl or whatever it was when they played USC. I mean, I'll, I don't think I'll ever forget that game.
1: Oh, that was an amazing game. That's – did you ever, did you know that's on the Longhorn Network? They show that every now and then? Oh,
2: yeah, especially when the recruits are in and let them know that it was only 12 years ago that they had a good program. Yeah,
1: I remember. That's right. They, they keep an eye on that. When you were six years
0: old, we were good, son. <laughs> Didn't your right. uncle
1: tell you? <laughs> that's, that's right. Your uncle was there. He was at the game just to ask you.
0: And we'll be good again if you sign
1: up. That's right. That's been their recruiting pitch since roughly 2010. Oh. Um, Alright, well let's go ahead and get on the record here. Uh previewing the, the Big Twelve Championship game. Let's start with you, Daniel. Daniel, give me your your prediction. What is your score? TCU Oklahoma, Big Twelve title game. Who do you have?
0: Uh, Alright. TCU 35. Oklahoma 31.
1: Woo. Frogs win, love it. It's
0: yeah, and it's tough. And um, I'd also like to predict that someone rips Baker Mayfield's head off. But I, that's not an official prediction. That would just be uh, a bonus. A bonus. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just be a bonus.
0: That's right. I'd like to. I'd like to. Uh, actually, I'd like to take that back in case that happens. On a yeah.
1: way to go, then. Way to go. Da- they're talking about it on their podcast. That's how they got the word out and let the let the players know to do it. So.
0: I'll be in Mac Eagle's article tomorrow.
1: Yep. <laughs> That's right. That's right. De- Jeremiah, who do you have in this game?
3: Man, I hate to do this, but with Nick War being out in the first half and the possibility of Nico and Traven not being on the field, uh, I just don't see a way that you can stop that offense enough to get the win. Uh, Ooh, give me. man. <laughs> a good one. That's good timing. Give me OU 42 TCU 34. 42 34.
1: 42 34. Well, I think I think the Frogs are going to come up just short here. I'm going to go Oklahoma 38 TCU 35. I think it's going to be a great game. I think the Frogs are going to represent themselves well, and I think the Frogs are going to end up in a in a in a New Year's Six Bowl. So they're gonna be they're gonna they're gonna be uh represent themselves well and be able to get into a New Year's six bowl. <laughs> More sad music. Frog fans, it's been a great season. Don't ever doubt <laughs> that. All right, let's go to our our, our, our our godfather, our conciliary. Let's go to Jeremy Clark. Tell us what is your prediction for this game? TCU Oklahoma Big Twelve title game. Let's hear it.
2: I was feeling a lot better until I realized that Nick's Nick Orr's got to sit out the first half. And the, I'm kind of with Jeremiah if uh if Nico's not playing, then that even though Mark Mark Simmons played pretty good last week, I'm still just getting visions of Baker going deep. The 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 big guy in this game, the big matchup for me is Mark Andrews. I mean, he just they, they do such a great job utilizing their tight ends. And it's kind of like watching Jason Morrow when he played at Texas Tech, the way they used Mark Andrews. But this being a neutral field, Kenny played good the last game. And I just watched West Virginia. I turned off the game when they had 31 points with the backup quarterback against Oklahoma. They they were without uh, Will Greer. So I think they scored 30. I I know they scored 31 somewhere around there. Mm -hmm. They can, move, they can move the ball on this defense. West Virginia, their first drive, did nothing but run the football right up OU's you-know-what. They couldn't stop them. They, they ran West Virginia ran one pass play that whole drive and ran right at Oklahoma. If the offensive line can get some sort of movement, they've got to play better than they did on Friday against Baylor. That was one of their worst performances they've had they're the entire year against a young defensive line for Baylor. They can't do that against Oklahoma. They do that against Oklahoma. Kyle Hicks is going to be losing one or two yards every carry. But if they can sustain that and get some type of yardage and and get into a rhythm, then they have a chance. I love the fact that this game is 20 minutes down the road from TCU. You got to, I'm going to say it's going to end in a 28, 28 tie.
1: (laughs) And then go to overtime. Right now hmm, Speed, this is baby. this is
2: tough this yeah. Speed baby This is tough because there's there's still the question whether or not Nico's gonna play. And that's if, if you're losing Nico in
1: <laughs> huh? Make up I your can't. mind.
2: I'll sit here and talk until I piss off Jeremiah and he quits.
1: Well, you're already there. Let's
2: see. I'll, I'll, I'll make a prediction that I have right now. thirty-one twenty-seven.
1: Thirty-one twenty-seven 27 TCU. Got it. Got it.
3: Patrick Morris is the key, though.
1: He is. Patrick Morris yeah, is the key. Yeah, he is. He really is.
0: He's got to play more than the 25% of the snaps
2: like he has been. Got to. Got and, to. And the one thing that they'll have, as long as he doesn't piss a ref off again, the one thing that they will have on defense this time around that they didn't have last time is Bolson. That's and I right. Think he's going to be a different, whether it's whether, whether or not he's getting to Baker and sacking him or just making Baker make quick decisions. I think he's going to be uh, a difference in this game.
1: He is Another so fast. Is, off the is end. that
0: we, is that we don't get the Reggie Smith crew.
1: Oh, that yeah. would be nice. Although the, the crew that I always thought was the best crew—the guy with Mike DeF- Mike DeFree, the the guy that's got the guns—they did the Texas Texas Tech game and they did an awful job. I mean, they were they were awful in that game. So I don't they're know horrible. who I don't know who we want. They missed a targeting call that. Gosh, my wife knew that By was targeting. Oh, oh yeah. that was
2: brutal. Those announcers were getting ticked off too because they kept thinking, okay, well now they're gonna look at it. Yeah, they're gonna take a look at it now. That was obvious targeting, yeah. blah blah blah. And they
1: never even looked at it. And when they reviewed, I thought targeting was a reviewable play. It is a reviewable play. Targeting is is always a reviewable play. Yeah, so it's
0: not just them, it's the replay refs, whoever's up in that booth or whatever. Yeah. That, yeah the, that's just terrible.
1: Yeah, whenever you have a targeting, the the white hat goes over and puts on the earphones and the replay refs are watching to make sure that, that to confirm the call. And, and, and they can also overturn it. So they, they, oh my gosh, those guys were so clueless. And what the worst part was they were not reviewing calls. They were letting targeting calls go, but then they, they decide, let's, let's, uh, you know, bicker about a a spot. That's a quarter of an inch off. And then I could, I could have run out and got a pizza and come back and they'd still be reviewing the play. It was terrible. It's killing. Targeting is not killing football. 17-minute reviews are killing football, and it's driving me crazy. The irrelevant reviews, they should be like – there should almost be like a threshold of does it matter that has to be met. And I feel like a third of the reviews don't even matter.
2: Hey, this is kind of off subject, but it is uh, involving the Texas Tech-Texas game. Yeah. I think Vasher had the best catch of the year I've seen this year in college football.
1: That was a great one-handed grab.
0: That's a creepy-looking dude. He's, he's got too long of limbs. It's just, he looks like a praying mantis or something.
2: <laughs> he's so tall, but he's skinny. He's like six six one eighty. 180. I mean, he's just skinny, skinny dude.
1: And did you see that he got an unsportsmanlike contact for putting his horns down? Yes. I uh, I tweeted out that if that was a punishable offense, I'd be sitting in Huntsville talking with a chaplain. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, the idea, Mac Brown used to campaign on that, that it was so insulting to everything that's right about college football and that if you put your, gut, your, your the horns down, you should get an unsportsmanlike every single time. And I think he was complaining about it when he, Houston Nutt hung a, hung a loss on him in the Cotton Bowl, and he goes out to midfield and puts his horns down. But, oh, I could not believe that they called that, called that penalty. No, but that was a great catch by Vasher. All right fellas, anything else on TCU Oklahoma? This is uh we're all on the record here. Uh anybody anybody think you, can, anybody, you think anybody's going to have a breakout game? Anything else before we wrap up?
0: I, I would not mind seeing Shewo do what he did against Baylor.
1: Yes. Did you guys think Shewo had a good game against Baylor?
0: I did. Yeah, I does. think he's finally doing what he's supposed to do and needed to do all along and that's just plow through it hit and get a you know few yards after contact whatever it needs to be and even had some you know some good moves some good uh, little dancing you know juking guys out of their out of their uh, socks there it was it was great
3: my big knock on Shewo has been he doesn't run with a good enough pad level to me he runs too straight up and down and i really felt like he had more of a lean in that game and uh, i don't know if it was just he was running harder hitting the hole harder but it seemed like he was leaning forward more than running straight up and down. That's a big deal because you want to be able to get behind your pads on your two thirty, and he hadn't been doing that. So that, that was a good sign for him. Um, I will say that 32 yard touchdown, I don't think he, he barely got touched on the foot. So it was a huge hole, but Hey, he ran hard that whole game. If you can get that from, if you can get 10 carries for 77 yards against OU, that's, that's huge. So they, they need him to be able to carry the load. Uh, not in the wild frog, but in a regular formation.
1: Yeah, he's got to get touches like that, and he he made the most of it. I was really proud of him.
2: He really changed the game in that that one possession they had. I think it was the uh the third quarter where it was basically basically the Shewo show. He had a good run and had a couple nice catches to to get first downs, and I think that's one of the plays Daniel was talking about when he had that. 24-yard catch, he looked pretty nifty out in the open field. So it's good to see him uh, kind of uh, come into the picture a little bit. I mean, everyone remember what he did against Arkansas, but he, uh, he played really well against Baylor. I was happy to see him do that.
1: You know, there was the drive that he that uh, went to the south end zone that was basically just Shea and, uh, and and Jalen Rager. Uh, Jalen Austin caught one pass on that drive, but everything else on that drive was the two of them. And it's nice to see those younger guys really contribute and uh, make the most on the offense because they're they're going to be the future, man. There's going to be so many weapons coming back next year. I love seeing them do significant things in big games right now.
2: Oh. Hey, the one guy that stepped up that I think could could make some type of impact. Was Jerrison Stewart? Yeah, Jerrison Stewart had a really yeah. nice game against Baylor, and if he could do anything remotely close to that against Oklahoma, that just gives them another receiver to have to worry about um, for the Sooners' defense. And I, I think he's stepping up at the right time. Hopefully, he can come in again and have that kind of performance. And it looked like Kenny had a really good trust with him, um, throwing him the football. He even threw in a triple coverage one time, which was a bad mistake by Kenny, but uh, it was uh, it was a good day for uh, Jerrison.
1: You know, he's one of those guys that stepped up in 2015 as a true freshman and just seamlessly stepped in there. He caught that big pass against Baylor. I remember when he came in for Ty Slanina against uh, Texas Tech and had two or three catches. And then like a lot of receivers last year, it just kind of all fell apart. And he did not have, see the field much this year. But man, I loved seeing him get that rhythm back with Kenny because he's gifted and he's got really good hands. So I was I, I just want to concur that I'm glad to see Jerrison Stewart out there. If, he, if he's able to get through four catches against oklahoma that's really going to help the team yeah, you know jeremiah the one other thought that you you had that you, you want to mention go ahead and bring us to bring us through on that
3: yeah i just wanted to say you know if, if we step back and just look at this season like you said it's been a great season to watch and um you know i think a couple of us on this podcast actually predicted 10 and 2 seasons but i don't think either one of us picked them to be in the big 12 championship game we both had oklahoma and oklahoma state but if you just look at this season, what they've accomplished, 10-2 um, and two with a chance for a Big 12 title, um, all the exposure it's going to give the program, even if TCU comes out on the short end of this thing, I, I'm not trying to prepare anybody for that. I'm just saying, even if they do, you can't look at this season but anything but a success. It's been a great season for the program. Um, they've proven once again that they are more than capable of competing and winning in the, in the Big 12, and I think things are only going to get better for this team. So just to the fans out there, enjoy this game, enjoy the moment, you know, um, enjoy what you're getting to see here because uh, this season's been a lot of fun and I think this coming Saturday is going to be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, enjoying this for what it is has been um, something TCU fans need to do. This, this whole season has been house money ever since we beat Oklahoma State. I mean, like, this whole season has been house money. I've tried not to think about, you know, if we could have just beaten Iowa State in all of those red zone trips. You know, I, I, don't, know what, I don't know how the season would have been different, but we didn't. But here we are playing in the Big 12 title game, and nobody predicted that we would be this far along. I don't, I don't care how high a standard you had. This is a great season, and um, we should be grateful for what it is. Well fellas uh we let's go ahead and wrap up here. I'm um, looking forward to this game on Saturday if uh if you um can get there. Please get to Jerry World. If you if you're if you're trying to decide whether or not you should go go. This is a great experience. You know, I'm as high on the Frogs as anybody, but you never know when we'll be back. You never know how these things will shake out. Um, so get out there and support the Frogs. It would be great to see a sea of purple at Jerry World. It would be see, great to hear the, the Go Frogs chant that gets started before the game. I would love to see the Frogs get out there and have a big uh, big rally of support at Jerry World because I think it's going to be a dog fight. This is going to be a great game. Last chance to watch TCU battle baker mayfield it's going to be a good one it's going to be one for the ages i think so for daniel for jeremy and for jeremiah i'm jeff mitchell thank you so much for listening to the Frogcast. go frogs